just doing my uh, regular workout when this situation came to. Initially, I didn't uh, really gauge the extent of the emergency. We see some very horrible situations. From Boston 25 News, this is First on Scene, a podcast about the people who run toward danger, about those who become heroes in our darkest hour. Thanks for joining us for First on Scene. Today we're talking about a story that really caught our attention with a call that happened in Norton back in February. A man was exercising and suddenly collapsed, and that triggered a response by many people, not just first responders, not just the paramedics and firefighters. It's pretty incredible what happened here and how many people jumped into action. And joining me today, the rescuers who responded to that call, we have a full house here tonight, or today, it's uh, Kevin Schleicher with Norton Fire Department, Jim Patton, Norton Fire Department, Steve Marcotte with the Attleboro Fire Department, and Paul Jakes with the Attleboro Fire Department. Thanks so much for being here today, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Blair. (laughs) Um, So take me back to this call in February. I'm gonna talk with you guys uh, from Norton, because this was initially your call. How did it come in, and what did it mean? The call came in, um, I believe it was early afternoon. Um, we were headed down for training. It actually worked out very well uh, how this call really went. But um, Which never call, happens, right? <laughs> no, it was everything really. This, we were talking about this earlier about how classic how this can work. So we were headed for training. Actually, on the other end of town, we have one fire station that's open right now. So we're, headed, we're doing a, um, a live train that was coming up in another week or so. And um, we... Um, we were just headed down to the training, so we're, it's on the other side of town. And when the call came in, it was uh, came in as um, a person down, um, possibly CPR being uh, initiated at the time. Um, yeah. So, like you said, we were we were driving, and uh, the way Norton, there's a cross street to get from one end to the other. Uh, we ended up having to be right at that cross street when the call came in. So our captain was. You guys at, were right at the location. We well, so our captain was right at the location. He was at. Uh, the gym mm-hmm. and then right next to it is a shopping market. He was in there getting something for our training um, it's the live burn that we were going to do uh, came in so he actually just walked across the street and we were just about to take a tour in order. It took a long time for us to get back to over that area but just when it came in all of our trucks were right, right there so we just went down that street and were there and Probably less than two minutes. So when you get a call uh, of a CPR, possible CPR in progress at a gym, this is happening at the Planet Fitness, I believe, in Norton. But Yes, that's correct. When, when you hear that, what goes through your mind? Because you know a lot of people in that area. Well, the good thing is there's a good chance they might have a, some, a defibrillator on right. scene, which a lot of um, places like that do have. So we're hoping that good by, bystander CPR will be started. Um, a defibrillator was available, um, which ended up being available. Lay people that are there that know CPR or, you know, know how to use a defibrillator is very important for that chain of survival, which we call. Um, and um, that's pretty much what happened. So, Jim, when you guys walked <laughs> in, what did you guys see? What was the situation like there? Uh, well, I saw my uh, captain, Captain Fuller, um, and the patient down on the ground and uh, my captain doing CPR on him. Um, the two guys in the ambulance were just getting there, too, assisting um, with I, we carry in bags and monitors that have all our equipment, our medications. Um, so everyone was just doing their jobs like we usually do, and we just had to jump in to go right on and do what we're doing. Um, and then all the bystanders standing around saying, oh, you know, what actually happened? What What's going on here? 
I was going to ask, you know, what is that like when, when you're dealing with um, a situation like that where there can be a lot of people standing around just watching you, curious, concerned, everything. You know, how do you deal with a situation like that? I mean, it's just kind of what we're used to. It's just right. we didn't know training for it. It just happens. I mean, I actually joke with my friends a lot as I'm one of the only careers where every, I could always be on camera. You have right. no idea. So, and it's just something we kind of get used to. Was this a Kevin? Was a pretty normal situation as far as uh, potential CPR goes? Um, yes, I mean it, it definitely made a difference. We do have a lot of people, like I said, because it's a gym. We're hoping yeah. a lot of people are there. And um, our big thing is scene control. So that's one thing we do have to worry about when we do get on. We have to control the scene. Um, and the great thing about it was Steve actually came up to me first thing, and I recognized him um, um, right away from Attleboro Fire. And I and he said, "I am here to help you." You know what I mean? And he already had initiated help with our captain. Um, the defibrillator was available. So um, our captain actually, you know, uh, applied it with Steve and the um, uh, textbook. So when we got there, mm. you know, we're, looking, we're thinking that timeline, you know what I mean? The timeline is so important. Sure. So um, everything went great. And the people that were there were all very, you know, stood back from us, give us space, and we just do our job. That's really how we do it. So. Steve, I wanted to bring you in perfectly <laughs> right then. Um, so you were in the gym already. That's correct. I was just doing my uh, regular workout when this situation came to. And so how did you see it or hear about it? What happened? Uh, to be honest with you, Blair, initially I didn't uh, really gauge the extent of the emergency. I think these guys can attest that, um, you know, one of the byproducts of our job is we, we see a lot of stuff. We, sure. we see some very horrible situations, some uh, serious incidents, and um, – at first, I just thought it, it might have been a strain, a back strain or something. There was some people gathering, but I really didn't uh, assess how serious it was. Is that what you? Is that how you kind of got your attention to it? You just saw people kind of around this gentleman? Exactly, yeah. And, and you know, truth be told, Blair, I, I just kind of uh, continued on my workout yeah. until the, the call, uh, you know, appeared to become more serious with the captain, uh, Captain Fuller from Norton, coming in. And um, so I, I just wanted to go over there and see if there's anything I could help out with. It's my understanding that there were some people in the gym um, doing some kind of chest compressions. Is that that true or or no? Was that so? That was our cat. So okay, Norton Fire Captain, um, who happened to was be, was right. doing compressions. He just happened to be getting stuff at another store next door when it first came in. Um, he started compressions, and uh, I believe you you helped put the pads on, right? Yeah, I, I was helping Captain Fuller. I, I kind of went over and I I just you know I. I talk to these guys, and I think they would say the same. We, you know, off-duty, we're still firefighters, first responders, but we're very sensitive to the guys that are on duty. Sure. So, you want to be respectful, I guess. Exactly. That. It's their home turf. They have certain ways they want to do things. Um, so I just identified myself, and I, I just said, if there's anything I can do, you know, please let me know. So um, as Jim said, I, I did help with uh, compressions and placement of the uh, AED. You know, since you were there working out at the time, you know, how would you describe – you know, everybody else who's kind of watching this. Yeah, as these guys attest to, again, they're right on. Um, you know, people, and, and I can understand that, you know, the, a loved one or, or you know, the concerned, uh, they tend to, you know, become very excited about the situation. Uh, of course they would. Um, and, you, you know, we have to stay focused on what we're doing. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in all the, the yelling and the screaming and the tears and stuff. And I would say the situation was no different. There was a lot of concerned people, but you, you have to kind of focus and, and do what you need to do. So what happened once you guys arrived there and, and started 
you know, doing what you do. What happened? Well, we all arrived. I mean, we said we were all headed in the same directions anyway. So when we came in, um, the, like I said, the captain Fuller was already doing CPR. They, they were getting the uh, AED hooked up and um, per, just textbook. Um, the patient's son was there, so that made a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of difference. He was there working out with his dad. So obviously the concern with him was, and, you know, we spoke to him, trying to find out what's the patient's history. We don't know anything about this patient before. And um, it just it just went very well. The, the CPI was being done. We put, you know, put, put, put him on the um, uh, defibrillator. Um, it, shock was devised. They gave him one shock. And um, when, we, when we were all there, he's, he had blood pressure and a pulse, good strong pulse. He was, you know, not awake yet, but um, that's a good start. Right. You know, so Certainly we're already on that, you know, we're already on that uh, wave, get, hopefully saving this patient. I want to back up a second because you said the uh, patient's son was there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know you guys deal with this every single day and you see family members there. But when, when you have something like that, when you have someone there, you know, who's obviously invested in this as a family member, what's that like? And, and how do you, I mean, you have to at some point, I got to believe you have to, tune that out because you're focusing on what you're doing. I think what's changed a lot over the years for me is the fact is is that you really do need to talk to family members. You know, mm-hmm. if you have the help there, it's very important that you sure. get them involved. Uh, not just finding out what, um, you know, history and things like that, but realize that this is a loved one and that. So I kind of did talk to him right away. Um, the, the, these guys are doing a good job at the time uh, taking care of the patient. So I spoke to him. And, I, and they really mostly want to know the truth, what's going on, you know. It, 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 obviously, he was unconscious, so... Uh, we told them exactly what we're doing, why we're doing it, and um, always kept them up up to date of what was going on as we were, as the treatment began. Also, removing them from the facility and the uh, medications and stuff that we need to stabilize and where we're going. The big thing is, is what hospital, you know. In these days, um, it's the um, it's the hospitals that are, can treat this type of uh, uh, situation. So, you know, you have to keep them up to date. You really got to do have to um, sure. talk to the family, you know. So it's very important and. It makes everything go very well when things are, sure. you know, they listen, they, they, they respect us and realize that we, you know, we've been doing a long time and we understand what's going on. So, so you got him in the ambulance and took him out to the hospital, right? Yes, the, our crew did. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, Jim, what happened? Were so, you- yeah, so initially when we got on scene and CPR was being in progress, our um, ambulance crew, the two paramedics, um, were just starting to get on their monitor. So I helped put on what they call uh, the limb leads so you can actually see the person's heart, uh, the different rhythms that they have. Um, and we transferred them over to our stretcher just to, so we can get moving. Um, we're more comfortable working in our ambulance than out just in random spots. Sure. All of our stuff is in our ambulances. Um, so as we were doing that, um, one of the paramedics said, Oh, he's got a strong pulse because the shock had already been delivered. Uh, so we stopped CPR, we weighed it, and he had a strong pulse. Still at that point, he was not reacting to us. We got him in the back of the truck. Um, we attempted to intubate him. Well, one of the paramedics was trying to start an IV, um, and we noticed that he had a gag reflex, which is, means he's biting down on the breathing tube that you try to put down someone's um, airway to keep their airway intact. Um, so we just ended up pulling that out and they started two IVs and that's when I actually got out of the truck. The other two guys just said, oh, we can handle this by ourselves at this point. Um, and they transported to the hospital they transported to. You guys taught, and this sounds like this went, you know, as you guys said at the beginning, exactly the way it should. And 
the way you all talk about it is very calm and like very matter of fact. And I, I know in CPR situations, it can be very intense, you know. Um, would you ever describe this ever being as intense or was it really just as matter of fact and as calm as the way that you guys <laughs> kind of describe it here? I would say matter of fact. I don't, right. I, it's funny to not, I guess really just me in general. Is yeah. You guys see it as us doing CPR. It's, it's right. our job. We, we've been trained how to do this. It took a lot of years to become a paramedic mm-hmm. and a lot of years to become a firefighter and it's what you so do. We're just doing our job. So. Yeah. so the Planet Fitness, did they have an AED there? Yes, they did. Um, what kind of role did that play in this? I'll let Steve answer that because he was there when you know when he was working yeah. out. So I don't, you know, prior to us getting there. Yeah, I I would say it saved his life, Blair. I mean, really? it, you know, early CPR. This as these guys alluded to earlier. You know, it's it was a textbook call. This is the video we see on how to respond to a cardiac arrest. Um, Early CPR, you know, the semi-automatic defibrillator was able to get electricity to his heart. And then, you know, more definitive care, which these guys did an outstanding job with, um, is critical. But but if that first step is not achieved, you know, electricity to the heart, then all is for, you know, not. So It can play a role in which way this thing goes. Absolutely. Paul, I wanted to ask you about that. You know, when we talk about AEDs, big picture-wise, you know, how important is it for not just gyms? I know we have some here at the TV station, but for businesses to have these AEDs. No, as you can see here today, I mean, early intervention is imperative to uh, to our response and having our members um, out there in the public, you know, doing great things like this is uh, what really saved this man's life. And having them here at the studios, airports, gyms uh, out in the public uh, allows allows that to happen uh, as soon as it did. Um, and I don't know who wants to answer this, but, you know, when you all have these AEDs, not you all because you don't put them in there, but no, <laughs> businesses have to put them in there. But I know some people have a thought of, I'm afraid to use it. And in a time of crisis, in a time where someone needs it, that they're afraid to use it. And I know you know, there are instructions on there, and they're supposed to be very simple for people to use. But what do you say to people who may have never even touched one of these things? They've seen it at their gym. They've seen it at the airport. And and if they were tested into using that one day, what would you say to them about, you know, how to use this thing and what to think about it? Yeah. I mean, it's just like CPR. It's a, it's a training. You know, it's right. the type of thing you need to get trained on. But, um, you know, they are machines. They're very easy now compared to the ones were years ago. There are a lot of voice-prompted. So they kind of assist you into, you know, making sure you're doing the right steps. Um, but they are very, very, very simple to use. Um, and the machine does most of the work. So um, when they're out there, the big thing is when, you know, these companies that get them and stuff like that, to make sure their employees are trained, know how to use them, know what they are, why they're on the wall, you know, how important it is for um, early defibrillation, like uh, Steve said, because that's what's going to save lives. What do you think would have happened had your captain not been right across the street? Had you guys been, you know far away, you know, at that training or something, and someone else had to come from farther away. What do you think would have happened in that situation? How different could it have been? I mean, all, all of the guys on my department that showed up would have all done the same thing. Sure. Um, like you said, you have no idea when, how long the person's heart would have been down for. Um, hopefully someone at the gym would have started CPR because we say that defibrillation is – one of the most important, the new guidelines is more compressions for the layman people that don't know CPR. Mm-hmm. Is just go straight compressions, and hopefully that'll that'll bring them to till paramedics actually show up on scene to help them. So, I mean, it could definitely have 
outcome could have been a lot different, but I mean, he still would have gotten a lot of the same care with us once we showed up on scene. So hopefully someone would have stepped in. And I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> so you know what right. I mean? So. <laughs> and, and that goes back to, you know, um, what is what is the call to action as far as, as to people about learning CPR or just being aware of it? I mean, what do you all tell people? What do you tell your families? Yeah, Paul. Uh, I would say, you know, become familiarized with your surroundings. If there's defibrillators uh, where you're at, like you said, for this example, a g- uh, gym, that uh, take a look at it. Just know where they are. Kind of familiarize yourself with it. Look at the instructions that are on there. They're probably, you know, posted right on the front. And uh, as you heard earlier, once you hit the on button, the instructions are told to you what to do. Uh, being a very stressful situation, that um, that voice from the defibrillator will give you the you know the advice and the instructions what to do. How often do you guys get calls like this? I mean, is this a pretty often thing? It can be. You sometimes you know you, we can run times we're not you know don't have those type of calls, but um, there's times where you you know we've gotten a couple in a day. You know, it doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, we just have to be ready for any call. So, it, um, you know, it's important that we have the equipment ready to go, and, um, and education is huge. I'm a big proponent. Like, I like to see that at the high school level, like CPR being taught at the high school level. Um, some states require it, and there, the studies show that states that require the education in high school, um, Seattle, Washington was a huge one years ago. Mm. We talked about and their success rate for um uh, people coming out of the hospital, you know, uh, that done very well was much higher percentage because the more people that know it, the better chance, you know, someone's going to act. act. Sure. And if they don't have the people out there to act, then chances go way down. Sure. Most importantly, it sounded like, you know, the way you all describing uh, the patient was doing pretty well once he got to the hospital, <laughs> yeah. uh, considering what, the, what was going on. What do you guys know now about this patient? Uh, Blair, I actually, and this is probably the best part of this whole call for me, I had the opportunity to talk to the brother of the patient on the phone, and um, honestly, I was kind of humbled by the whole situation. He, from what I understand, these guys can confirm, he had a uh, quadruple bypass. Uh, He had basically three arteries completely blocked, and the fourth one, 90%. I mean, you know, for those people you know, of faith, this is a miracle, you know, for others. I mean, this is kind of defies the, you know, the outcome that yeah. with that scenario. So, you know, uh, just talking to his brother and, and recognizing that he's actually back to some of his previous uh, activities, which is quite extraordinary. Um, I, I think these guys would say the same. It's, it's the best feeling in the world, knowing that you played a part in, in helping somebody and, you know, they're with their family now. You know. What was it like to hear that? Because I know you don't always hear what happens with your patients that you deal with. Yeah, I, Blair, I, I mean, I, I hope I'm not going off too much here, but I had a similar situation. I, my father had a cardiac arrest in front of me, and the guys in Atterbro were able to resuscitate him. Right. I tend to get pretty emotional about it. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's the best. It's, it's amazing. And what's it like for you guys to hear how he's doing? Uh, it's actually good to hear about it. Uh, usually, uh, I know we talk about at the station is we have calls all the time where, especially car accidents out on the highway, mm-hmm. where we have no idea. We don't know what happened to him. We get him to the hospital, and then that's it. Like We never hear. There was a bad one on Thanksgiving that we uh, took two children out of, and I brought it up recently. I was like, I wonder what ever happened to those two kids. Like They were they were alive, and I mean, we I've never heard back from them since. That's crazy. So. I mean, how do you how do you deal with that? Because it's uh, and I, I know this could be a whole other uh, <laughs> episode, but I mean, how do you 
I know it's just what you guys do, but right. it's like. I will say it's gotten better over the yeah. years uh, because because we're bringing to the uh, patients the appropriate facility. So it's not just going to the local community hospital anymore. It's like whatever right. whatever presents for this patient, we take them to the proper hospitals. So the feedback from them has been good. They're, they're trying to keep us up to date, like, you know, exactly what happens, you know, and, and how that patient is doing. Sure. Um, and that helps a lot because you're right. You do see, geez, right. this is what we did. But, you know, unless you're in battle with these people, you know, yeah, right. Right. You, it's, uh, you just never know. So you just hope for the best and say, you know, hopefully did our job correctly and made a difference in someone's life. Well, well, it, it sounds like, uh, well, it doesn't sound like you guys definitely did your job here properly and you did make a difference. And it's uh, pretty incredible to hear, you know, how this went. And you guys are very humble about it because uh, I think most people who were probably watching the gym were, you know, pretty concerned, scared, all of that, wondering what was going to happen uh, to this complete stranger. So the impact you all had for this family and for that gentleman is pretty overwhelming, I'm sure. So thank you so much for everything you all have done and you did on that call. And thank you so much for being here today. And um, hopefully those listening learn something as well, that if you see what's happening, you know what to do, you know how to help. Thanks so much for being here, and thanks so much for listening to First Unseen. <laughs>